0: All right, church family, would you, would you pray with me? Dear Father God, I just want to uh, pray for everyone that's here. Um, also, just want to pray for uh, in today's message as we go through um, a new series, uh, the, the first chapter of Mark. There's, there's a presentation of, of Jesus in, in Mark that I, I kind of want to get right. In, in terms of, of articulating. And I pray that it wouldn't just be uh, words of a story of something that happened long ago, but this figure Jesus would be alive, not just on paper, but in our hearts. And I pray that as, as we, we meet today, we would feel his presence. We would feel all the implications of his authority uh, we, would, we would be ministered to by the Holy Spirit um, as we are taking a good look at your Son. Father, I, I feel like the, the greatest gift you could give us is just being able to see Jesus for who, who he is and to desire him and to love him. And so I'm just praying for that sense of clarity and conviction that can only come from you this morning. I pray that this morning our time would be blessed Uh, Would you please bless our time together, in Jesus' name, amen. So today, as you might have guessed, we are going to start a whole new series. Um, We are going to go through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, just to tell you a quick story of how we chose the Gospel of of Mark, or even to go through uh, one of the Gospels, I... I was uh, talking to An, um, who used to be on staff, and after I uh, told them that by the guidance of God that our family has about two years left at CLC before we go to the mission field, we started to talk about what we should be addressing in the pulpit given that I have a limited time here. And uh, I remember on saying to me with conviction, like, if you only have a couple of years here in limited time, just give them Jesus. And I remember just going like, like right on, I, I am so um, on track with you. Um, uh, if I have one message to give, if it's my first message, if it's my last message, let it, let it be Jesus. I'm. I'm I'm good with that. So I'm so down with that. And so we decided to call this series Let's Go Back to Jesus because that's the conversation from which it came. Going through the Gospel of Mark, and um, it's not all about Mark, it's all about Jesus, but it was written by Mark. And so you might be wondering well, who is Mark? And uh, So, the earliest and most important source of an answer comes from Papias, who is the bishop of Hierapolis until 130 AD, who said that Mark was the secretary and translator for Peter. Peter, who was the premier apostle of Christ. So, if you look through the book of Mark, you will see that nothing really happens without Peter being there. So the entire gospel of Mark is really the eyewitness account of Peter. Here's another thing about Mark. It does not read like dry history. It is written... In the present tense, although this happened many years ago, it's written in the present tense like it's fresh, like it's right in front of you. And what you're going to see is that Mark will use words like immediately many, many times. The modern translation of that is boom, and then boom, and then boom. But that sounds silly. So immediately, right? Um, But you can't help but notice just the speed of this gospel. It's like an action, um, what do you call like an action anime? What do you call that? It's like a manga? Yeah? Okay. Um, it's like that. Um, so, so right away, this gospel is conveying something very important about Jesus. He's not just a historical figure. He's a living reality. He's a person who addresses us today. Mark wants us to see that Jesus is a decisive figure. Jesus is calling us to decisive action. He is a man of action. He's moving quickly and decisively from event to event. Very little teaching in the Gospel of Mark, by the way. Jesus is decisive, Jesus is moving. And so the implication is we can't remain neutral about this man and what he's bringing. We need to respond to this man. There's urgency. Um, and now, right here, uh, there is an invitation. For, for those of you who are not currently in a Bible reading plan, um, maybe, you, would you consider going through the Gospel of Mark in your own time for personal devotions? That's, that's the invitation. Here's the reason why. If you're going through these chapters on your own, and then you come to a Sunday morning worship service, which are on the same passages that you've been studying on your own for your personal devotions, I I just bet you're just going to get a lot more. It's going to um, be reinforced, Um, it's going to um, be a lot more meaningful you get more from Sunday, and then hopefully from Sunday you'll get more from your personal devotions. And my hope is that you're going to feel closer to Jesus. You're going to feel more connected to Him. And that's just going to lead towards more joy in your life. And so please consider this invitation. And uh, if you look in your bulletin, I think there's a Sunday morning schedule that tells you what all the worship services chapters were covering uh, in advance, all the way till Advent, and so you can track along with where we're going. And if you're worried that you're going to lose that, like I lose everything, you can just go ahead. Feel free to just take a picture of that that sheet, and then you'll just have it with you on your phone. Okay, you all ready to go to chapter one? Uh, what I like to do is uh, I'm not going to go through all of chapter one. Um, Uh, This is a highlighted tour of Mark, and so we're going to actually slow down in verse 14. But let me just give you the context pretty quick, and then we'll get on with uh, 14. Okay, so John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, and he says, After me comes he who is mightier than I. Who's The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Let me hear you guys say worthy. And then Jesus emerges on the scene, and he is baptized. And what you see here, I mean this could be a whole message, is an awesome display of the Trinity of God doing this, something that Tim Keller calls this dance, this dance of love. And it's beautiful. And then for 40 days, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, and after his temptation, Jesus emerges. And he is now ready for public ministry, and here we go, verse 14. But I'm going to slow this down, and I'll tell you why I'm going to slow it down. Jesus in chapter 1 is about to explode. He's going to have his grand opening of his public ministry, and like I said, it's going to be boom, boom, boom. But before that, there's a few pregnant sentences that frame his ministry and summarize his teaching. And so after I tell you all the activity that he does, you're probably going to say, well, what does it mean? And I think what it means, and we're supposed to do, is framed in this opening teaching, so that's why I want to slow it down. Okay, so um, here we go, starting in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying... The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All right. Now, uh, there's certain questions that came to mind when I was uh, studying these few words. The first question that came to mind is what does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of God is at hand? And then second thing is what does he mean when he says repent? This is what I like to do. I like to mix it up. I like to have you guys try your thoughts first and then I kind of uh, butt in with mine. So what I want you to do is turn to a neighbor. What do you think Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God is at hand? I'm just really going to give you a minute to do this. Go ahead and go. And then maybe you can have your partner share. Okay, it's my turn. Um, Not an easy question to answer. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you my best take, Um, this is just my take, I mean I consulted a few commentaries, but this is my my best take. Here it is. Uh, what is, What does Jesus mean when he says, the kingdom of God is at hand? Okay, this is my best take. The first stage of heaven coming to earth, of God's rule in the hearts of his people, the first stage is now. Let me put it in a different way hundreds of years hundreds of years in the old testament you got prophets predicting there's going to be a time when heaven is coming to earth when god's rule is going to extend into the hearts of his people and there is a key decisive figure who's going to bring it all in remember that everyone's waiting everyone's waiting and then 500 years of silence everyone's waiting the time is finally here, and that decisive figure, the Messiah, Jesus, is saying, I'm here. I'm here. You've been waiting all... I'm here. Uh, <clears throat> okay, uh, hold on to that. I think it goes together with the next word, which is, what does repent mean? How many of you guys, you love that word, you know, you're at work or at school, you just bring up that word as often as you can, you like, you can't get enough of it. No, can we, can we just confess... That in in our culture, repent is like a turn-off word. It's used antagonistically. It's used to threaten, very negative. We're trying to use that word. I want to tell you that um, it's actually a beautiful word. Um, To repent, it's to change your mind. It's realizing that the path that you're on is not going to lead you to where you ultimately want to be. It's a path of an empty promise and a, 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 a really destructive outcome. It might feel good for a little while, but in the end, it's going to kill you. And so you decisively go, I'm not going there. I've changed my mind. I'm going to go somewhere better. It's a 180 turn. Going the other way, it's a better way. And going this right way, it feels right and it leads to all kinds of good. Now, if you're in that process of repenting, oh, it's a kindness to you. It's a really good thing. And so, actually, truth is, it's a beautiful word. And so, uh, the process of realizing, I don't want to go this way, I don't want to go this way, this way is far better, that's, that's the word repent. Okay, so, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Heaven, first stage of heaven coming to earth, begins Now, and the Messiah who brings it in, he's here. Repent. What does that mean? Change your mind. Take a far better path. In this case, I want you to realize it means the Messiah is here. Time to drop everything and go with him because his path is the far better path. So it's a way, but it's also a person that you're following. It's both of that. Now, how do I describe it? I've, I was thinking of, of a good way to do this, but here's my best way of describing what it's like to combine these ideas together. Okay, so I have kids that are relatively small, and uh, I you, I, well, I, still do, but I, I, I would pick them up from school at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., All you parents, you might kind of know this experience, but in their school, it's a little bit unique. So what happens is at three, like maybe like five minutes before three, they line all the kids up and all the kids around the perimeter of this blacktop, right? And then the parents are waiting and then the kids are waiting. And then at three, decisively, there's a door that opens, right? And so once the gate opens, then all the parents kind of, like, come out, and they, they show themselves, right? So, you know, it's single file. You can't really see behind the gate. I enter through the gate, and, like, I'm just, like, okay, I'm here. That's what it's like, okay? The moment you've all been waiting for, you know, I know you're waiting for dead, and I come out here, and am like, boom, I'm here. Okay, that's how it works. That's how it works. Now, it's a very, it, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. It's a moment of reunion. Sometimes there's tears. It depends on how much your kids love you, right? So, <clears throat> so here's the thing. Like, like, I was looking forward to seeing my kids. Like, I got to be honest, it's like some of the best part of my day. I come out here, like, I'm here. Okay, so, so Ryan was over here. Ryan's my oldest. And he was, like, um, talking to his friend, right? So I enter... he's talking to his friend i enter i'm like boom i'm here and i make contact with ryan and he sees me and he's talking with his friend and he goes back and he's talking with his friend i think he's probably saying like goodbye but then you know five minutes later he's still talking with his friend so i'm thinking maybe he didn't see me right so i gotta do like a hey ryan and again, he looked at me, eye contact, he sees me, and he's still talking to his friend. And so I'm thinking, you're just going to get your own ride home. You know, this is just not, this is dumb. I don't even, why even come here? Okay, that, 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 is, um, that is a lack of repentance, okay? So, but let me put it this way, here's, here, here's, 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 here's the grace in this message, my second son, Christopher. Same deal, line up the kids, perimeter, you know, parents are waiting, they're waiting, and I come through, boom, I'm here. Okay? Now this is Christopher. Christopher here at the side, and he's, you know, he's yammering away with his friend, I don't know what he's talking about, probably like Minecraft, you know, he's talking about Minecraft, right? And he sees me, and he's still talking to his friend, and he goes, Yeah, and he starts running, he starts running, and he comes, and he gives me this hug, right? <clears throat> be like Christopher. <laughs> Don't be like Ryan. Now, now th- this, in this context, what does it mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here. And what does it mean to repent? Well, I'm kind of doing my own thing, kind of doing my own waiting, and the moment he shows up, See ya, I'm going with him. I'm going with him. I'm going his way. I'm with him. Isn't that what it means? Jesus shows up. It's go time. You ready to go? Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. He says repent and believe the good news. It is time to go. Let's go. Now, there are two words in chapter 1. And um, I'm going to use those two words that keep on getting repeated to kind of frame all the activity of Jesus in his opening ministry. The first word is immediately. Let me hear you guys say immediately. Okay, now what immediately means is that Jesus is a decisive figure acting at a decisive time, and the implication is immediately, immediately, immediately. So, we cannot remain neutral. We need to respond decisively to this man, just like Christopher responded decisively when he saw me. Just like you're going to see a couple people respond decisively when they see Jesus. The second word keeps on getting repeated. Authority. Authority. What you see in this chapter is this word used over and over again, and what you see is the incredible range that Jesus Christ has. He has authority over everything. Okay, first of all, Jesus approaches a pair of brothers and they're fishermen. This says two words. Follow me. Immediately. Decisively. They leave behind their conversation of Minecraft. They leave their nets. And they follow Jesus. They leave their nets. What do nets represent? Vocation. What do nets represent? Career. For a lot of us here. Career is very important. Jesus has authority. Even over your career. Jesus goes a little further down the lake, sees another pair of brothers. Immediately, he calls them, not only do they leave their nets, but check this out, they leave their father in the boat. Really? They leave dad in the boat. Jesus has authority even over your family. Now, in an Asian context, this is very controversial because your family is your identity. Your family means everything to you. Jesus has authority even over your family. He takes priority. He has authority. Jesus has authority over people. Jesus has authority over careers. Jesus has authority over family ties. Now, uh, let me put it this way. Um, Will, I want you to come up here right now. I want you to quit your job, and I want you to follow me around and be my disciple. Is that okay? Would you do that? Do you have to ask Debbie first? (laughs) I, I just told Will to come up here. He's not even coming up here. My, my, my point is, like, Andrew, clearly you don't have authority to do that, right? Who does this is my thing. Hey, follow me. Leaves dad in the boat? Leaves your career? You know how hard I had to work to get this position? Who, who has this kind of authority? Um, apparently Jesus does. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. Like, for us, these are two very precious uh, touching points, career and family. That's what we're all about. Jesus has authority. Who, who, who is this man? He has authority even over these things. And then they went to Capernaum. And what's the next word? Immediately on the Sabbath, he goes into a synagogue and he's teaching. And people notice, he doesn't teach the way our scribes do. Our scribes will quote the Old Testament and Scripture and then teach on the words that they just quoted because those words are authoritative. This man speaks like his own words are Scripture. He speaks like he's the author of Scripture. In Matthew 5, he says, you've heard it said, and then he quotes the Old Testament, which is what the scribes do, but then Jesus goes, but... I tell you. Wow. That's that's pretty amazing. Now, I, I have shared two words with you that keep on getting repeated, but there's a third word that I would choose. If I had to choose a third word to complete the stories, it would be this one. Amazed or astonished. People would listen to his teaching, and they would be astonished because of his authority. And then there was a man in the synagogue who's demon-possessed. And so Jesus rebuked the demon, and he says, Be silent and come out of him. And the spirit started to convulse the man and crying out, and the demon comes out of the man. And everyone who is seeing this is what's the word? Amazed. What are they amazed at? His authority. Who is this man? So now Jesus is demonstrating authority in the supernatural world. And now Jesus leaves the synagogue. But doesn't just do it. He does it immediately. And he enters into a house. And Simon's mother-in-law, Simon, Simon Peter, the, the, the man he called, is in bed with a fever. Now I'm going to say I love this part. Simon has a mother in law who's in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her, but didn't just tell him, by the way, they told him it immediately. And now, at this point, I think of all the miracles that Jesus does in chapter one, maybe this one is my favorite. Because here is the Messiah of God. He's on the scene, he's teaching, he's got all this authority. There are people with the demons, and so he has over-the-top supernatural authority, and he's casting out demons. But here is something very personal. It's someone that we know. It's not huge. It's not cancer. It's not multiple sclerosis. It's not a serious condition. It's just a common cold. Just give it a couple days. You should be fine, right? You don't need to trouble the Messiah of God with something as small as this. But you know, if you have access to Jesus and he's here at your house, you might as well. But does he care? It's so small. Apparently as great as the Messiah is, he is also so personable and he cares about the common cold. He cares about the small things. And if you're his friend, you can ask him and he'll say yes. Even about the small things. And then at evening at sundown, they brought all the people who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city, the whole city gathered at the door, and he pretty much healed everyone who came to see him. Jesus has authority over sickness too. So, this is the big idea. He is here. The one you've been waiting for, he is beautiful. He is worthy. He's got authority over everything. He is amazing. He's the king that you've been looking for. He's worthy of dropping everything to follow him. He's worthy of like leaving your dad in the boat. He's worthy of leaving your career, if that's what he's calling you to. He is worth it. There's one more thing, too, which is he is not just a historical figure, but he is alive, and he is working today. Last month, I shared with you that something happened to me that was um, really significant for me. Uh, I like to think it, and I hope it will be life-changing. I uh, went to my brother's church to preach, and, uh, and so I was there for a, a weekend, and there were about like maybe 70 people there, and uh, on Saturday morning, I have one of the elders from the church come up to me and say, uh, Hey, Pastor Andrew, I think it'd be really cool tonight if all of us gathered together and, and prayed for our pastor. Now, the, the, the pastor of my brother's church, his name is Pastor Tim, and he has had a vocal condition that um, has been going on for about 17 years okay? Uh, It's it's actually a really uh, touching story. Like, 17 years ago, he lost his voice, and so he was speaking at a whisper, right? And so, during that time, this elder who was asking me if we could pray for his pastor that night, this elder asked him if he would officiate his wedding, and so pastor did it in a whisper. And then after the the wedding, uh, for 16 years, um, he really didn't have a voice, and so he went to a therapist, and the therapist taught him to speak inhaling. Now, I'm sure you've noticed that right now when you speak, air is um, being exhaled through your vocal cords. And so for 16 years, he would talk like this. That, that's my best impersonation of him. And he would do sermons where he's just inhaling. Uh, he's... he's He's inhaling his voice. He would talk like this. 16 years, okay? And so and here's this elder who's been lovingly praying for him and by his side for 16 years and um, says, hey, I think tonight it would be really cool if we could just all pray for God to heal his voice, okay? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you in the telling of the story. Like, the, the, my immediate response was like, no, right, I don't want to do that, it was was fear, because um, because here's the thing, number one, like, I've never seen a miracle like that done before, right, now, I believe God can do anything, everything, I've just never seen it, there's been opportunity, I just haven't seen it, and then number two, this is not like a small problem, it's not like a common cold, you know, this is like a 17-year problem, this is pretty big, and then and, and number three, like that whole weekend, I'm talking about um, the Holy Spirit. And I just kind of feel like if nothing happens, then that's a deficit that I don't really care to, to like have to talk myself out of. I just, I just, so I, I, was, I was fearful. But, so this is what I said. I said, look, look um, I'll, I'll pray about it today. And, uh, and then one, we talk later on. So during that day, I totally prayed about it, you know. I've totally prayed about it uh, before God. And then um, that evening, it, w- it was kind of this, you know, time to, like, respond to the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and, and so during that time, you know, and I was talking to the elder about it. And we were like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. But during that evening in prayer, I just felt like, you know something? Two things. Do I believe that God can do anything? Yes. And here's the thing. Maybe God doesn't do anything at all. At least Pastor Tim will know that we love him. So why not? And so I felt at the end of the night, I'm just like, okay, let's do it. So I grabbed the mic, and I invited Pastor Tim to come forward. And you should have seen his eyes. He was like, he was like you could tell he didn't want to come. You know, he didn't want to come, but... Um, I put him on the spot, and so he came, and then I, I said, you know, you guys know that Pastor Tim has a vocal problem. It's been going on for some time. What do you just say we just pray for him? Okay, so, uh, so we all laid hands on him, and I gotta tell you, just from the whole, like, weekend, uh, God was doing a lot of incredible stuff, and so right away when we started praying, it was like a level six. You know, like people were just, you can tell, people are engaged, they're praying, right? Um, so we're all praying, you know, and then, and then it was like my turn to pray, and so I got the mic, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, like, it was like a prayer, like, God, you can do anything, and I started to give the reasons for like a thorn in the flesh, you know, I started to give God an out, just in case it didn't happen, right? And then I started to pray for his healing, okay? So I just did that, and then I prayed, and Then other people took the mic and prayed, and we were all praying for him, and it was done, okay? And then afterwards, because I was taught by uh, people that I respect, who, who do this kind of ministry more, that you just kind of ask them how they're doing. And so I said, hey, Pastor Tim, how you doing, right? Okay, and this is what happened. he said, my voice is coming back. He said that. This is what my voice sounds like. It feels strained right now. Okay. (laughs) There were people in the church praying for Pastor Tim for 17 years. Immediately they started crying. Right? And other people were like, other people were like, like What? Some people were like shocked. Okay, now here's my honest confession of faith. Okay, I, I was I was shocked. Okay, people go, no, 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 Pastor Andrew, you mean you were amazed? <laughs> no, I was shocked. Right now, now here's the thing. Okay, I, I okay, okay, I, I, I tell, okay. So and so so there's a there's a young man right next to me and who goes and whispers me You know. I think Pastor Andrew, we should keep on praying. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, that's the voice of God right there. Okay, so I'm like, hey guys, um, God's doing something. I I think we should continue to pray. Okay, dude. Okay, so now we're like, Everyone's praying at the same time, okay? And before it was six, it was like level 10. People were shouting, okay? It was like Korean style prayer, and no one's Korean. <laughs> no one was Korean. But where did, and I was, I, 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 I was letting it go. It's like, God, show us your glory! You know, I'm just like, I'm just going, to show us! You know, it's just, everyone's praying like that, okay? Now, Now, at one point, Pastor Tim, okay, he, he goes limp, and the elder is holding him. It was so beautiful. Like, elder, who was holding him for 17 years, was holding him. And, and Pastor Tim was in his mind. He was thinking, God's giving me my voice. Please don't take it back. Please don't take it back, you know? And then, I'll never forget this. I saw Pastor Tim. He's yelling. He's like, Adonai, El Die right! He, he's yelling out the names of God in praise. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. You know, everyone's like yelling. You know, no one's charismatic. Everyone's yelling, right? And then, and then here's the thing. Okay, now this is. Oh gosh, I'm so embarrassed when I'm hearing this story. Uh, here's the thing. Okay, I um, I guess, I guess I got. I'm a little bit of a skeptic, right? And here's the thing. I, I just feel responsible in a sense because I'm facilitating. I'm not going to grab the mic and be, like, and be like, we just saw a miracle, people. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to do that. I just, I just feel like, I don't know. I got, so I prayed. I said, God, please forgive me. Because right now I just, I just need to talk to Pastor Tim and find out what happened before I declare anything. So sometime later, I I put my hand on Pastor Tim. I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, indirectly, I'm saying, hey, what happened, right? And he says to me, people put their hand on me, and I just felt like I was healed, and I could start talking. Okay, and then in my spirit, that was enough. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to start believing this was a miracle. But here's the thing. I'm kind of going out of sequence in time. What, what happened is that when this happened, I wasn't ready to get on the mic and be like, it was you know, I didn't want to do that. And so I gave it to the young adult, you know, the young adult who said, hey, we should pray. I'm not kidding. The young adult takes the mic. He's like, people, we just saw a miracle in the house, right? And everyone's like, wow. Ah! All right. All right, and I'm not kidding. And then, and then the band was there to, to worship, and everyone is worshiping. Everyone's worshiping, and they were saying, "We saw a miracle tonight." And then the guy's like, "He did it!" And I was like, "Yeah!" And people were crying. We have we have photos where people are prostrate on the ground. You know, I, I've been in worship services before, but not like that one. Oh man, and and so i'll tell you what happened to me so like after i've talked to an interview with pastor tim and he said that i just was prostrate before god just like worshiping him the only way i could worship him was to get on the floor before his holy and just worship him worship him because he's worthy and i i heard him say and now you have now now get this so the he was continuing a conversation that I've been having with God. So I've been telling certain people that, like, like Raina, like I believe a God can do miracles. I've just I just haven't seen it. I just haven't seen an instantaneous healing before. And I've been telling that, and Reina remembers, yeah, you've been you've been saying that to me. And so I would say, yeah, I just haven't seen it. And then God, at that moment, said, and now you have. So when you go onto the mission field, you will know that I am the God with whom nothing is impossible and i just worshiped i just worshiped and worshiped and worshiped um i got to tell you like the worship team cuz there was kids there trying to like close worship and send people home and people just wanted to worship they just kept on worshiping and when when in the scripture when they talk about amazed People just kept on wanting to linger and talk about what happened. So they went to a townhouse, and, and uh, they were, were all talking, like, this happened, what happened, what happened, and chronicling everything that happened. And, and it's like, it's midnight, and I'm like, hey guys, I guess my sermon tomorrow has changed. And so I had to go, but they were still talking, and, the, and then breakfast, they're still talking about what because they were amazed. Like, this God that we read about is still alive, and still, amazing people. And uh, and I just I just, uh, just got to tell you, if you don't know this man, you you need to know him. If you don't call him Lord, you're really missing out. If you don't know him as Savior, do what Christopher did and run to him. He's not just a historical figure in the past. He is alive today and he is still calling people to follow him with all of their hearts. If you have a problem today, I just want to assure you it's not too big for him to handle. And apparently, it's not too small for him to be engaged in compassion. There is nothing too big or too small for this man of such incredible authority, there's nothing he can't handle. There is not one thing in this universe that is more worthy of your pursuit, more worthy of your affection, more worthy of your loyalty, more worthy of your wholehearted commitment than this man. When he shows us that he has authority over everything, the only proper response is to fall down and worship And give him everything you've got. The only proper response when Jesus shows up and says, I'm here, is to be like, Christopher, you drop that conversation and you run. The only proper response for Peter when he was in the boat and the Messiah comes and says, I'm here You drop your nets and you go with him. The only proper response when you're John and you're talking to your dad and Jesus shows up and says, I'm here, you leave your dad in the boat and you go with the Lord and the Savior of your life. He is worthy. He has authority and he is worthy. He is worthy of your everything. He is worthy of your trust. He is worthy of your faith. He is worthy of your undying devotion. Jesus Christ is worthy. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. But I'm I'm going to share with you all something that... um, I think God gave me this morning, so I'm just going to start it off. I do remember one time we were giving a series on the Holy Spirit, and we had people just listen to God, and I always remember there's a young man that came up to me, and he said, I saw a picture. I saw this gift. It was an amazing gift. It was a big ribbon, and the ribbon was cut. It was cut, except there was this one last strand that needed to be cut, but it it, it." It wasn't cut yet. And I don't know what it means. I remember we were praying about this together, praying about this together, and it was just so clear actually what it meant. Jesus wanted to give him a big gift. Maybe the gift was more intimacy with Christ. But there was one strand that was standing in the way. And right when we talked about it, he knew what the strand was. And we started to pray about that. Is there a strand that's keeping you from giving yourself wholeheartedly to Christ? I felt like in prayer, that's that's the question God wanted me to ask you. Is there a strand? And if there is, and you kind of know what it is, that obstacle... That keeps you from saying, God, I'm completely yours. Then I I, want to give you this word. By the grace and by the power of God, please believe that Jesus Christ is able to cut that strand. But you have to be willing to. You have to say, Yes, please help me cut it. You have to fight. But it is definitely cut a bowl. There is one man who paid the ultimate price to have you. He died on the cross to forgive you your sins and to give you the Holy Spirit so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that last strand, any strand, can be cut and you can have the gift of a closer walk with Jesus. How about that? I think I'm supposed to ask you, what is that strand so what I want you to do right now is just to close your eyes. For those of you with whom it would be more helpful to stand, please feel invited to stand. And if there is, if that's an illustration you can just relate to, it's like that one strand. Maybe you're like, you know, it's much more than just one, but. Like for me, I know this sounds stupid, but I think that last strand for me was entertainment addiction. It was Netflix, to be honest with you. What is that last strand that keeps you from more of Jesus? Some of you you already know what it is. It's like so clear, it's so obvious. Some of you maybe the spirit might surprise you. I I just feel like I should I should I wanna pray with you. So here's the thing. I'm not looking because for me I'm I'm very like performance oriented. I don't want to see this as a measure of my performance. But if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to stand. Let's have no one look at you. I'm not gonna look at you, you're just gonna stand up. I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm just gonna pray freedom. Okay, no one's going to, and then when I, when I ask you to sit down again, you, you, no one's going to be looking at you, um, and I'm just going to pray for you. If you're standing right now, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to take you into faith that someone's standing. And, and Father, <clears throat> maybe there's a the last strand. For this young man, it was, it was, you know, sexual addiction. Maybe for other people, something different. You know. I want to pray for everyone here that one thing that's keeping people from more of you, and I just proclaim by faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you your sins, so past, present, future, your sins are forgiven, but also to give you power through the Holy Spirit to cut that thing, and it can be cut by the power of God. And as you grow in faith, and as you grow in trust, you'll be able to cut that thing, you'll be able to cut it, you will because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we just want to say, if there's that last strand, we believe in your ability to cut. We know we have a part to play. Help us to play our part. Help us to be led by the Spirit. Help us to know the power of the Spirit. Set these people who are standing free so they can run to you like Christopher ran to me, so they can run to you like Peter ran to Jesus Christ, and to know the freedom and the joy of having this master and the great adventure that awaits. So Jesus, by your grace and by your authority, we want to proclaim because of your cross, because of our standing, that this strand is cuttable in Jesus' name. And we're gonna follow you step by step, every, every, every place you take us, and we can't do it without your grace and help. So thank you, thank you that you're gonna set people free in Jesus' name. And if you're standing around, you can just go ahead and sit down. And uh, let me just pray and kind of uh, prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper and worship. Lord Jesus Christ, you are amazing. This is not a sermon about miracles or how wonderful miracles are. It's a sermon about you and how worthy you are of our complete devotion. And your miracles just demonstrate your authority and how worthy you are. You are the Messiah. As we come to the Lord's Supper, Lord, let it be, let it be that we continue to celebrate your active role in our lives as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray.